You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing this show. Joined, as always, as well, by my co-host, Doug Moore. And delighted to be joined on the show today by... A man that uh, has the prestige, uh, well, maybe, hopefully it's prestigious, to uh, have the most downloaded OTI show uh, as a guest, and that is Matt Harmon. A lot of you'll know him from Reception Perception, his work with NFL Fantasy, and of course, uh, the Backyard Banter, but uh, it's a pleasure to have you back aboard the show, Matt. How, how have you been keeping? Good. Uh, prestige. That's something that I often don't associate with myself. That's. <laughs> but it's, I think, it's good to be back here. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever used it on the show. So there's a, you know, first time you've said it's been associated with you. First time I've used it on the show. So there's all good things there. Uh, obviously, we all know from your Twitter feed that uh, Charlie, your dog, is a major part of your life. Uh, I don't know if Doug has a dog. Doug, have you got a dog? Uh, no, I've been deprived of animals my whole life. <laughs> uh, well, uh, obviously, Charlie uh, had a little bit of a... Uh, you know, a health scare, maybe we'll call it the weekend, Matt. Hope all things have uh, picked up there. Yeah, things are better. It was a, uh, yeah, it was a rough weekend with him and I had to take him to the hospital twice. And like, if there was just one, I didn't know I could go to, to like from zero to freak out that fast. And it was just like one, just another reminder of like, wow, I really never need to have ch- like actual children because yeah, this yeah. is stressful enough. But he's doing well. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, asking, but he's, he's doing much better now. He's he's sitting here along with us today, so he's ready to give his takes as well. Oh, nice. Uh, I actually, my girlfriend's a vet, so um, I'm well used to people taking care of animals, but I actually have a dog myself, and uh, it's called Packer after the Green Bay Packer. So I know how you feel when sometimes you can go and you just think they're absolutely batshit crazy, but uh, there's other times then when uh, you can't do without them and you're you're scared to death. You think something's wrong with them. So it, if you have an animal, uh, you'll completely understand listening there. And maybe if you're like Doug, you don't really care but we'll get uh we'll get into some of the no i never said i don't care i just never had a pet (laughs) i wasn't allowed a pet that's why we'll have to we'll have to save up and get you on yeah my parents had allergies let's 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 distinguish the difference here between not caring and just not being allowed to but, yeah, over the last I, few I like shows, uh, Doug has had his uh, has ha- has had his haters coming at him on Twitter. So we don't want the uh, the dog crowd out there getting at him as well. So we'll we'll let him oh, away no. with that. <laughs> and no, they no, can, no, I don't they want Peter. Yeah. I don't want Peter coming after me. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely. So we'll get into some NFL news um, over the last few days, and we'll start off obviously with the news over the last couple of hours that Andrew Luck has signed a new contract extension with the Indianapolis Colts. No real surprise here with the the news coming out. It was expected to be a monster deal. It is a monster deal. A six-year contract, $140 million, uh, $87 million guarantees in that, $75 million over the first three years. So really uh, no surprise all around here. I guess you both would agree with that. Just on the other hand, obviously look at a down year last year with injuries, and even before the injuries, he wasn't playing all that good. Any concerns heading into 2016 for Andrew Luck, or uh, do you think we'll see him bounce back to his uh, previous best? We'll let Matt go first. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be fine. I, I I do kind of, I did tweet today. I was like, listen, if you get into an Andrew Luck argument on Twitter, that's on you. Yeah. Like that, just don't, just don't wait into that. Normally whenever <laughs> contracts happen, yep. everybody's got to get a takeoff and it's just, it's always like just ridiculous. I just kind of prohibit uh, commenting on it unless it's to make fun of people commenting on it. That's really the only <laughs> tweeting I'll do about it. But uh, honestly, I mean, yeah, this is what happens. You, you're, you have a young quarterback and they play well and you extend them. You pay them big money. That's just the way it works in the NFL today now as far as Andrew Luck and his you know actual ranking among the pantheon of of great quarterbacks in the NFL today I mean I think like right now you can argue that you know Cam Newton and Russell Wilson are better young quarterbacks than him but we know that he has an elite level ceiling whether he consistently gets to that all the time that's probably a little bit more of a question maybe he might not be you know quarterback Jesus like he was projected (laughs) to be coming out of college but uh He's certainly uh, a great young passer that you can build around and who makes like you can't really deny that he makes those around him better than they already are. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And I think, you know, we all know if you have a quarterback that has that talent, you have to pay him. It is the going rate now. And as he is a young, talented quarterback, and as you mentioned, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, he's definitely prior to last season he was definitely thought of as above those guys maybe now uh, it's a lot more even between them people can have their pick but I think there's uh, no doubt that the Colts this is the right move for them uh, long term Doug any other thoughts on it yeah I mean the only other thing I would add to it definitely agree with Matt you know it, it's uh he's definitely got the talent to be a, a very very good quarterback even great you know who, who knows but I say if if everything goes well for him he's a top 
three to five quarterback in the league yeah. personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is money wise. It's not shocking. He was going to get this big deal. It was going to be a long-term deal and the cap keep going. It keeps going up every year. So with the cap going up, it, it's going to, it's going to keep looking like we're getting these crazy deals, but five years from now or three years from now, even it's going to look like a steal when we see someone like Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, uh, even some of the younger guys get contracts are even bigger than that. Yeah. So, I mean, like for example, JJ Watts contract looks like a steal compared to what we just saw for like Olivier Vernon or, or, or a guy like that, Malik Jackson even. So it's it just money cap keeps rising. So if you're worrying about the money, I, I wouldn't, there's not even a lot of cap space hit until 2019, 2020. So yeah. that's way down the road, but you know, it's a quarterback. He's really good. He's young. You're going to, you're going to pay him a lot of money. There's nothing, there's nothing shocking about this at all. Uh, the, the other contract signed this week was uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and uh, the guy that uh, you've been, pumping up this last week isn't eligible yet Matt for a new contract Tyler Lockett but uh, his partner in crime Doug Baldwin signed a four-year extension with the Seahawks 46 million in that contract uh, you know I think he was being paid below what he should have been getting paid I think this probably puts him above what he should be getting paid overall uh, since you're the wide receiver guru I'll let you uh, jump in give your thoughts on the uh, Doug Baldwin contract or again if you don't want to get into contracts <laughs> that's oh no no well. sure <laughs> Wait I mean waters. I think I think that, like, well, I'm really never the guy that can really interpret, you know, money and who's worth this and that. But as far as Doug Baldwin getting, yeah, right. Do we all, none of us really know what the hell any of this means. But as far as what it means for Doug Baldwin, the player, I think it's well deserved. I do think that he was always an underrated player before last year. And then last year, you really saw once he got the opportunity, you know, he really exploded, probably played you know, over his head or what you would expect. But at the same time, I do think he legitimately took a step forward last year and is, you know, at at worst, a starting receiver in the NFL, you know, a good slot guy that can move around and play a little bit of flanker as well. But, and he fits really well with, with what Russell Wilson wants to do. And to me, this is just another sign from what we've seen in Seattle doing all offseason, which is transitioning more to a Wilson-centered offense, more of an up-tempo, efficient passing offense. You know, they're not going to suddenly stop running the ball, but I do think that they're going to start building more of a dynamic passing game around Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and C.J. Procise and all these other guys will be a big part of that. You know, this is the second receiver that they re-signed. They gave pretty decent money to Jermaine Curse too. So it's just kind of all signals from the team that we're having a little bit of a change of philosophy from what we were built on the first few years of the Pete Carroll era. Yeah, it is definitely a, a change in philosophy with Marshawn Lynch gone as well. It's a, a very interesting time in Seattle. We'll see how it goes this season. I don't think it'll continue at the pace that it was at at the end of last season, but uh, definitely starting to move towards the passing game. Two bits of sad news uh, this week as well. Obviously, uh, Buddy Ryan... Uh, head coach um, or defensive coordinator sorry with the 85 bears has uh, died at the age of 85 uh, obviously rex ryan his son and uh, rob ryan as well two coaches still in the nfl uh, the 85 bears i've watched a lot of them uh, prior to my time on this earth but uh, i know it's prior to all of our times on this earth but uh, any of you guys want to give some thoughts on uh, how much uh, he changed the game yeah, I mean, it's uh, it certainly was something. You, he's a fun guy, and it's mm. funny that uh, that he's a real one of the league's like best characters long term. And I think those guys are always fun to remember. You know, looking back, I mean, I'm you know I'm 24 years old. I'm almost 25, but you know, <laughs> I, so he's way. This is way before you know our time and all yeah. that sort of stuff when he was really involved heavily in the league. But I still think it's fun to look back on those sort of characters, and and I hope that we see more of those. And you know, to be honest, you mentioned obviously Rex and Rob Ryan. I, I'm interested to see. Like, you know, I'm not talking about like I want them, you want them dead, but you know, I, I'm interested to see in the future after when we look back on their legacies, yeah. will they be remembered fondly? Because I mean, if you if you hear stories about Buddy Ryan, he like actually punched Kevin Gilbride in the face, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> could you imagine if somebody, if like Rex Ryan did that today, it would be outrageous. So it's funny to see how guys are remembered in retrospect. I'm interested to see like what his what what his two sons are remembered as, you know, at their point in this at their points in this career. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, that there was something that was sticking up. I was listening to the uh, around the NFL podcast today, and they were talking about you know how well they remember you know Rex Ryan in particular the way he behaves sometimes but it is the bravado that his father brought to the game as well and maybe just a different time social media you know you look back at guys like Brett Favre and how they they behaved at the start of their careers and how social media would uh, attest to that but it's always interesting anything uh, Doug you want to add to that yeah I would say along with being such a great character and I didn't know a lot about Buddy Ryan 
Uh, I knew he was a defensive genius along with being uh, Rex and, and Rob's father. Um, but it really, just some of the things he did as, as a head coach, as a defensive coordinator, uh, just in terms of just how he was as a person, very funny, very uh, it's very in- insightful to, to read some of the things that he did while he was uh, uh, active. But uh, yeah, legendary coach in terms of defensive scheme, was a huge part of the 4-6 defense. Um, which I read a little bit about. I, I knew he was very good defensively as a as a, a defensive coordinator and a head coach. But uh, yeah, he he will be missed definitely. It's it's funny. We we said he died at 85, but up until yeah. yesterday, we had no idea that he was even 85. It was uh it was 82 that he had he changed his age. Must have been I think I read like decades ago where he told people he was he was three years younger than actually what he was. So that just goes to show the kind of person that someone was like like Buddy Ryan. And we've definitely seen it rub off a little bit on uh, on Rex and and uh and rob ryan as well so uh he will be he'll definitely be missed and and matt brings a good point how will they be remembered his sons as compared to the father so um but yeah no just a terrible loss all the way around yeah definitely similarities between uh rex and rob and uh buddy as well so it's a, a sad loss for the nfl community the other piece of sad news zerlin tipton former colts running back uh, died over the last two days um where an accidental shooting at a car dealership in detroit he was 26 years old uh, played for the colts in a, a number of games over the last two seasons and just um a tragic tragic event another measure of gun control i guess in america just very very sad i don't think any of this will probably have anything to add to it other than a tragic event yeah, it, it uh, sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't know. Don't know what more to say than that. Yeah, that's all I can say too. So we're here to talk, obviously, about the the top ten wide receiving cores in the NFL, and uh, we're going to start from five and work our way to number one. It's it was a tough thing when I started working on this. I started working on it yesterday, just trying to narrow it down. I had some ideas. I kind of had the number one set in stone straight away, but a couple of changes. And uh, I actually contacted Doug earlier, and I was saying like I was having struggles. So I've actually manipulated a little bit in the last couple of hours. But since Matt, you're the guest in the show, I'm going to let you go first and uh, head off with your uh, number five. Yeah, my number five is Washington, and I know they were the team that really... They started um, this argument. <laughs> they, they started this whole thing. They started that everybody wanted to talk about the top receiving cores in the NFL. And, yeah. you know, Jameson Crowder, I think it was, it was said that they were the best. And I, I certainly believe that they could vault up the rankings, but it all depends on Josh Doxson to me, because I think all the other guys that we're going to see on, at least on my list, that are ahead of them, have a clear most of them have a clear number one and while I I appreciate Deshaun Jackson's game, I think more than most people do, and I think he's pretty egregiously undervalued across fantasy football circles this year, he's still not the prototypical number one that you funnel an offense through. Josh Doxton could be that player, so like a year from now, if he already shows signs of that as a rookie then i'm then i'm thinking maybe they're closer to that number one spot but they have a lot of versatility with jackson as still one of the league's best deep threats pierre garçon can kind of be a jack of all trades jack crowder can be kind of a low ceiling but high floor slot player and then they have doxton you know who could be their potential long-term number one and at least right away offers great ability in winning contested passes which none of these other guys do and i think that's actually going to help Kirk cousins a lot this year yeah, they were on the fringes. They were originally my number five, and they, they got bumped down just into the honorable mentions. Uh, just when we're on the subject of the Redskins, and I don't know, Doug, have you the Redskins, or can we move on to our uh, number five at this point? Uh, yeah, no, the Redskins are... Um... I hope I don't piss off uh, Matt, but no, uh, the Redskins are not on my top five. Okay, and uh, just for, on the subject, there's I'm very a... there's nothing you could say on this podcast that'll piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the a trade I made yesterday in Dynasty, uh, Deshaun Jackson for Jamison Crowder in a 2017 second. Uh, I gave up Crowder in the 2017 second. Uh, which side would you rather be on on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Crowder has much value in fantasy, mm, uh, really, at all. Either. I mean, I think outside of like maybe a late-round MFL 10 pick, um, I don't really think he has a lot. Like, when you're never going to feel comfortable starting a Jameson no. Crowder with this offense as currently constructed. So, and a 17, so essentially, it's really the 17 second for Jackson. And I know people are really in love with that 2017 class, and it, it might well be as good as a lot of Dynasty owners are projecting it. But, I mean, I love what Jackson offers this year. I think he's like a lock for a, a top 30, probably probably top 25 season this year yeah i think he's one of those players if he can keep his hamstrings together he's always going to give you a positive season if you look back through his career when he's been on the field he has consistently produced and it was actually a startup draft uh, a few weeks back crowder was somebody i took a flyer on towards the end of the draft and then 
I had an opportunity to move him on with that second for Jackson, as you mentioned. Uh, it's basically the second that you're giving up, so I like that all around. Um, my fifth overall is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, obviously, Andrew Luck, we talked about earlier in the show, he missed a lot of last season, and with Hasselback and a quarterback, it was a tough year for a lot of the Colts wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, I think he's, you know, he obviously has that threat of the deep speed, and he can do some stuff underneath as well, but if you look at his career since he's come into the league uh, as a rookie at over 800 yards, and then the last uh, three years he's been in the league he's at at least a thousand yards and five touchdowns in those seasons so i think when you get luck back in you're going to have uh you know top 10 upside with him moncrief the problem i have with this offense is moncrief's the only wide receiver over six foot and so you don't have a lot of height in it but last year he doubled uh, all his stats from his rookie season and uh, i was actually stunned when i was looking through this today he only turned 22 on the 8th of june uh, heading into his third year so i think there's upside there and then darset taken in the third or the first round last year missed uh, the majority of the season uh, with that injury and you know if you look at what uh, Andre Johnson did last year he had 41 receptions for 500 yards and four touchdowns and he was a shell of himself you know they were rolling them out week in week out at the one stage and it just uh, wasn't looking good for him so I think if you look that's probably Dorset's floor heading in this year is he somebody Matt that uh, you've high hopes for uh, I know Karen Savchek of, uh, of Dynasty One now has uh, a love story with him I've never been the biggest Dorsett fan. I thought he was overdrafted by the Colts, but I think he's fine as a third receiver, but yeah. like just very much like just fine. Uh, I'm with you that I, I love Dante Moncrief. I think that he is really the key to this receiving core because I think he could be the number one receiver. I, I like T.Y. Hilton, but there always seems to be somebody that likes T.Y. Hilton more, more than I yeah. do. I don't think he's a complete number one receiver like Moncrief has the potential to be. But the problem with me, just I mean, the problem with this receiver core, and I didn't even have them in my honorable mentions or, nor my top five, was just the depth after Dorsett is yeah, there's nothing atrocious. Yeah. I mean, there's Bryant Timms. Do you guys remember when he was a thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, it's, it's, it's a rough group depth wise. Yeah, it definitely is. That was a concern I had, but then I, there's a couple of teams uh, that I might have in this that they only have two, kind of, so it'll be interesting to see as we move on. But they're my number five. Uh, Doug, who's at number five for you? Uh, it's it's actually the Colts. Okay. Um, Anything to so, add? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I debated it a long time. You and I talked actually about the Colts earlier, yeah. um, and and we both came to the conclusion we I found it hard to keep them out uh, of my top five. Um, so I they did just slide in at, at my number five. Um, yeah, I think especially when we talked with Nick Whalen a few weeks ago, he really opened my eyes to how much in terms of upside, how much better Moncrief can be than Hilton. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really saying something in Moncrief is, is probably their number two right now. Um, and, and yes, Matt, I do remember uh, Brian Timms. He was uh, the number one. He had the most receiving yards in the 2015 preseason or 2014. Um, I'm holding out high hopes. I actually listed him as the number four guy. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I, I have a lot of high hopes for him. It's probably because I'm still, I'm a Patriots fan. And uh, that's that's right. you know I was always holding out for him, but uh, yeah I I think um, Dorsett as a as a deep threat a situational deep threat is fine, um, but I think if you can get Moncrief to his ceiling um, with Hilton still functioning as maybe a number two, I think it could be a really good wide receiving core. Now granted, I hope they don't go and spend another first round pick on a wide receiver again. Uh, they actually did something smart this year, uh, which I can't say a lot about the Colts in terms of um, the, the the personnel decisions they make sometimes, but. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, I do have the Colts at number five, and and I think it's more so how can Moncrief ad- advance or improve towards what his potential is, and also I think how good can Dorsett be as a deep threat. But I think when you have a guy like Andrew Luck throwing to them, I know this is a wide receiver thing, but it doesn't hurt when you have one of the best quarterbacks. I think one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL throwing to them. So I do have the Colts at number five as well. Matt, uh, who have you got ranked at the number four spot? Yeah, this is my surprise one, and I went with the Chargers in this. Ah, um, yeah, I, I thought I had a surprise here too with the Chargers, but let you go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, no, I mean, I think that when you look at their receiving core, I've actually just recently been uh, working on Keenan Allen for reception and perception, yeah. and that guy it doesn't get enough credit for being one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think we kind of forgot after he got hurt this year what a tear he was on at the beginning of the season. I mean. He gets open regardless of the level of the field, and he just continually thumps cornerbacks with those inside crossing routes, the curl route. But he can also win balls in traffic. That's something that he's gotten better at throughout his pro career. So really, he 
was putting it all out on the field as the team's number one receiver. And you look at the depth that they have there now, too. I like Travis Benjamin. He uh, has one of the best success rate versus coverages on nine routes, uh, 65.1% success rate. So you know he is that vertical threat. He's going to fill a very specific role. And I like that there from an NFL perspective because he's going to open things up for the underneath passing game. And Stevie Johnson's long been one of my favorites. He's another reception perception guy. And if he's your slot receiver, I think that's you know more than, more than good enough. Like He can be a top half of the league slot receiver. So to me, they've got three good starting guys. And then even when you go down the depth chart a little, uh, Tyrell Williams, people like him a little bit. He's got some interesting things in his uh, background is in terms of his college production and athletic profile. And Dontrell Inman has has played well when called upon, too. Uh, certainly some 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 gaff moments. But as a fourth receiver, I think that's more than good enough. So to me, I think that Keenan Allen really, really brings this group together as I think he could have like a DeAndre Hopkins 2015 type season in 2016. To me, he's one of the best receivers in the league that doesn't get credit for being it. Yeah, I think if he finished last season, we could be talking about him in a similar light to DeAndre Hopkins and the way he finished the season. Uh, you mentioned Inman. I think he's definitely solid as number four. This was the team I thought that I was going to have a bit of a surprise by having them in as my number four. Uh, if you look around, Keenan Allen, I've been very high on him for a, a long, long time. I think it was actually when we'd done the, the top 10 show, um, Matt Pryor. I was going to say, I remember yeah. that. I had, uh, I think I had him number four. Maybe I had him very, I thought it was very high anyway. So uh, he's somebody that I am very high on. I better go back and listen just to find that out. And um, so obviously people know what I think of him. Then Benjamin coming over this season from the Browns, he was playing with kind of nearly no quarterback last year. He had 68 receptions, 966 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, I think he's definitely has that big playability opposite Keenan Allen. You kind of defenses are going to have to pick their poison. If they put two over on Keenan Allen, they're going to have to see what they do then on the other side uh, with Benjamin. And then you mentioned Stevie Johnson, who's definitely a solid, solid slot receiver as well. So the San Diego Chargers at four for both of us, Doug. Uh, have you gone to San Diego or have you gone a different direction? No, I did not go to San Diego. Did um, they make your list? So, uh, no, they don't make my list, but they seriously were considered. Um because I, too, love Keenan Allen. Uh, and more so, I remember his tear last year because I had a lot of shares of Phillip Rivers last year. And a lot, of, and that's what I think is part of the reason why I love Phillip Rivers even this year, just to go on it for a quick second. He was the number two quarterback through the first half of the season behind Tom Brady. People forget that because he finished out in the top, outside of the top 20 for the second half of the season because of all those injuries, including the Keenan Allen. I think now with him back, Benjamin as a reinforcement, Johnson there, Inman as well. It brings me back to the days where I wish Denario Alexander was still there with them because I love Denario Alexander. Um, I remember owning him when he had that really good year after whatever it is, but uh, it makes me wish he was there. But uh, no, so my um, my my number four team is actually the Seahawks. Um, okay. And I'll go into that a little bit. Uh, obviously, I think Doug Baldwin is, is a guy who, especially for an undrafted guy, done extremely well for himself. Um, and he really went on a tear last year. Um, it, it was really hard for him. He was always that number one guy for them, but in a run-heavy offense, especially when he had Marshawn Lynch and he had Russell Wilson there. I think now that they're going to be, and I actually tweeted this out yesterday, they're turning more into a pass-friendly team. They're still going to be a run-heavy team, but they're turning into a pass-friendly team. Um, in addition to uh, drafting Lockett last year with the third-round pick, they also dra- traded uh, their top center, their starting center, I think it was Max Unger, and a first-round pick. For Jimmy Graham. Now, granted, he's dealing with that knee injury, uh, but also they um, they like uh, Matt pointed out, they did sign Curse to some good money this offseason. I think he's a solid number three guy for them. Now, granted, he may not do much in fantasy because this is still a pretty run heavy team, and he is a number three guy for them. Um, but some of the other guys, Paul Richardson, I can't forget about him. Who knows if he actually contributed or not? But also another guy that I like, and I believe this was the Seahawks that grabbed him. I really hope so because I was doing this research on the fly. Kenny Lawler they picked um, in this past draft, I believe, in the seventh round. Um, And I like him a lot, actually. I think this is another great pick by them. But, yeah, I like this. Overall, I like this depth for them. Um, Baldwin, obviously young. Lockett, young. Kirsch, young. Richardson, young. It's a young core that's starting to emerge but how much they're relied on is a different story because it still is a run-heavy team. But with Marshawn Lynch gone now, could they revert more to passing? Because obviously, I think it's a, I think it's a downgrade. Honestly, I, think, I don't think you can argue it. It's a downgrade when you go from uh, Marshawn Lynch to Thomas Rawls, CJ Procise, whoever it is. Um, so I think they might have to rely on the pass more 
to do so. And uh, Russell Wilson did really well with his passing numbers last year. So uh, just to sum it up, my, my number four uh, wide receiver core is uh, the Seahawks. Uh, moving on to number three, Matt. Um, I know you were high on Lockett. Uh, have you got the Seahawks at uh, number three here? No. No, I don't have I don't have the Seahawks on my on my list at all. They were in my honorable mentions though, and yeah, I think I think that the the Seahawks could even be like if Lockett has the potential that I I think he has, and he reaches that this season. I think we could be talking about them in the top, you know, three or two spots just because if he's a stud, you know, a number one type of guy, Baldwin's that great number two complimentary slot possession receiver. And like Doug said, curse is a fine number three option. And and even Kenny Lawler is a good, that's a good pull. I liked him a lot too. Uh, If those guys all come together, I think they could be there, but they're not there yet for me. My number three team is actually the jets. And I think that they're also, you know, you know, number, number, great, number one, great, number two. I mean, probably the best one, two punch in the NFL, in my opinion. But after that, the depth is, is even worse than what the Colts (laughs) had. I mean, they don't have anybody really for that number three spot. I am a Devin Smith truther. Um, I was a big fan coming out of, uh, coming out of Ohio state, but he might start the season on the pup for all we know. And guys like Quincy Inunua, they don't really, Ken Brell Tompkins, they don't really get it done for me. So we know how great Marshall is when he's at his peak. We know how great Decker is as that consummate red zone cleanup guy, move him into the slot a little bit. We know how great those two guys are, but to me the depth after them is a big question mark and why they're not the one or two spot. Yeah, they made my uh, honorable mentions as well and uh, just couldn't push them in just with the depth, as you mentioned, but there's no arguing the two uh, top guys there, Marshall and Decker, are Definitely, as a one-two punch, uh, definitely one of the best in the NFL. Doug, uh, I stole uh, your Colts one earlier on, so I'm going to let you go this time. And uh, who's your number three? Yeah, so um, the Jets were my honorable mention. um, But like uh, Matt said, it's just a depth issue for me. There's just nobody behind Marshall and Decker, no matter how good they are. They are on my honorable mention, um, just because I I think it's – I try to look at more overall depth, who can step in potentially if needed. Um, just having solid depth behind them, even no matter how great they are. Uh, but so it, it's kind of funny actually because my number three team kind of, kind of defeats what I just said. It kind of contradicts it. But it's the Jaguars. Um, mm. So they have really two terrific wide receivers. One of the best in the game. I know Matt. Matt was a huge Allen Robinson guy. <laughs> uh, still is a huge Allen Robinson guy, and he'll probably think I'm dra- ranking them too low. Um, but Allen Robinson, one of the best in the game, honestly. He, he's really stepped it up every year he's been in the league. Um, he's one of the best young, if not best, overall wide receivers in the game. I think Allen Hearns, a terrific number two. He just signed a big contract. Like Doug Baldwin, really great story. He was an undrafted guy as well. Um, I'm not as big of a believer as Marquise Lee as maybe some people are just because we haven't seen much from him. Um, but he could we, be a potential We haven't barely slot. seen him on the field. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if we could um, get him healthy, we might see him. Yeah, I mean, he could be a solid slot guy. You never know. I, I feel like if, uh, again, hypotheticals. If Justin Blackman was on the field with them, I think they'd be much higher in terms of talent. But uh, I, I mentioned as the number four guy just for the hell of it because I think he's pretty cool. It's Brian Walters. Um, I think Brian Walters is kind of cool. So I, I list him as number four. But I think when you look at it, you have two really, really, really good number two guys with a guy who if he gets on the field at least can be a solid slot guy for them uh but i think even so again i'm kind of contradicting myself but it's it maybe because i'm 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 super into alan hearns and, and alan robinson uh, i think alan hearns and alan robinson sort of over overshadow really the depth that they may have issues with so uh, the jaguars are my number three team yeah they're my number three as well and i'm expecting here that matt's gonna have them a little bit higher you mentioned brian walters and uh when you mentioned as well marquise lee i'd probably flip their order just based on what we've seen out of both of them and lee's constant trouble getting on the field i think there's no doubt there's talent there but if you can't uh, you know they say you can't make the club in the tub and uh, Lee you know if he's not fit this season I think you could see him fade out of the uh, fade out of the team anyway if not the league um, I haven't really much more to add to the Jaguars after what you added obviously they're both uh, if you look at the two Allens there they're both under 25 years old so they've a, you know a huge uh, a nice core there at the number one and number two wide receiver core going forward for the next couple of years both finished with over a, a thousand yards last season so uh, just terrific uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars they've had a tough time down there over the last uh, couple of years the last kind of 10 years so maybe they're starting to go in the right direction 
Um, Matt, I would assume you have them higher based on, as Doug called it, your love for Alan Robinson. He was saying you're an Alan Robinson guy. I think you are the Alan Robinson guy. <laughs> I should have worn my Alan Robinson shirt for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> custom made one that Blake Murphy and Matt Johnson sent me. No, but uh, I have them number two. Yeah, so if I, just rolling right into them, um, I have obviously much of what you guys said about them being, I mean, I don't need to tell you Alan Robinson's good. I already did that. Uh, I don't need to tell you Alan Hurts Yeah, last year you told us that. that. <laughs> right, yeah. And I mean, we know that those guys are who they are. And I, God, I never thought I was going to be the one to stick up for Marquise Lee because he was like, I always said that I could have like taught a tutorial on what makes a bad wide receiver prospect based on, or an overrated wide receiver prospect based on Marquise Lee's college film. But I, I will say like as a third or fourth option, you could do a lot worse. And, you know, both of the, like both of the Allens have actually mentioned that, you know, with his role scaled back and him being more of just a big play threat, I think that they'll get the most that they possibly can out of Lee, which isn't much. I'm not really trying to stick up for him, but it's not that bad as a fourth option. And neither of you guys mentioned Rashard Green, who I actually think is True. could be a really interesting option as a slot receiver there. Um, he, you know, we saw him return some punts pretty well. He actually caught like 13 passes, 13 passes for like 50 yards, something gross like that. But, you know, he, he can be that sort of tertiary uh, threat there for for them so I think he could actually be kind of a sneaky completing option there uh, so I like their depth a little bit better than I do the Jets so that's why I put them higher um, Doug in case I steal out uh, your second again I'm gonna let you go first with the second place here um, who have you got at number two uh, well I stole your number three so we'll see and then I stole Matt's number two you're so. probably still uh, well uh, my I'll go first and my number two is the the Green Bay Packers uh, maybe yeah, it's a yeah, little stole it yeah, yeah but that's why I give you the opportunity. <laughs> you left it there. <laughs> have to take it. Uh, obviously, it's maybe a bit of a homer decision. Uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, as I mentioned. The problem here is similar to what we talked with the Jets, and we've seen it last year with the Packers, is if one of these two players goes out, it limits this offense drastically because there isn't a huge amount of depth behind the number one and number two. Obviously, Jordy Nelson got injured last year in the preseason. He's returning this year. He's had over a year, no, well, nearly a year to recover fully from it, so I should say no uh, L effects of that other than he's a year older and uh, maybe he'll slow down from that perspective but I don't think we'll see too much of a drop off from what we've seen two years ago from him Randall Cobb then's the uh, second option then and you know he was a Pro Bowl selection two years ago a monster season he finished with 12 touchdowns but then last year he still led the team in you know receptions he had six TDs 827 or 829 yards but I just think, you know, last year really did prove that he is a number two rather than a number one. I think he's perfectly fine in the number two role. I think he's actually well above average at that spot. But as a number one, I don't think it's ever going to work out that way for him. The depth then, you have, you know, obviously everyone knows about Jeff Janis. Uh, somebody I'm not as high on as a lot of those talk about truthers. There's a lot of Jeff Janis truthers. But uh, then we had Devontae Adams, who you were not a fan of last year. I think he might step up a little bit this year if he doesn't. I think he's done with the team. And then you have uh, Ty Montgomery and Jared Aberdeen. I liked what I seen from Montgomery in the early stages last season before it was derailed from injury, but uh, that would be my number two. Uh, Doug, you said it's your number two, so I'll let you fill in anything that I uh, have missed out there. Yeah, no, so I think instead of saying Cobb is the number two option, it's kind of hard for me to say that. Obviously, he didn't succeed well um, as a number one guy, obviously by default. But some of the things to keep in mind, one, he had no number two guy. Devontae Adams was supposed to be that guy, and he just <laughs> he was across the board. Horrible, horrible. And then behind that, Ty Montgomery, who, again, looked really good. I actually am a huge fan of Ty Montgomery in this offense. Um, but he did have the ankle injury, took him down a little bit. But also the other thing, they didn't have a run game either. They had no run game. Eddie Lacy and James Starks did nothing really, um, at least compared to what we saw in 2014. It was a huge downgrade across the board. Plus, they have no tight end to throw to. Richard Rodgers, okay, he did pretty well the second half of the season, but he's no um, Jermichael Finley like they're used to. Um, so it, it was just an off year, and they also had injuries on their offensive line as well. It's just an off, it was an off year for the Packers. They still did well. They still went to the playoffs. But I think that this is a huge rebound. I'm a huge fan of Ty Montgomery as that number three guy for them because I think long. I think he's almost like Stephon Diggs for me. And when I say that, it's a guy that, you know, came out of the league, you know, he's uh, came out of the college and, you know, maybe didn't have a lot of production in college, but could be a guy who does even better in the NFL. I think like Diggs, he, he didn't do much in college. I could be wrong. Who, who knows? But I, I'm usually wrong anyway, so it's nothing unusual. Um, but 
I, I think that Ty Montgomery is going to succeed well in this offense as a number three guy, which I think is a really good thing because um, he's young. He's with a great quarterback. He's with a stable offense, uh, good wide receivers to learn from. But uh, I really like Ty Montgomery, and that's why I have them at number two because I think he's pretty much underrated for what he can do. Um, we saw flashes of it, granted, only as a rookie, but that's just me. But uh, Aberdanis, uh, I've always been a big fan of him as well, but he's always dealt with some injuries. Uh, Jeff Janis, he's athletic. Great. He's made some plays. Can he translate? Um, so that'll be interesting to see. And, and then Devontae Adams. Even Devontae Adams is a number five I, I can live with compared to what people thought of him to be a potential number two last year by default. So there are worse number fives options out there. That's just me. But even as a number four. But, yeah, I wouldn't start Devontae Adams anywhere. But, yeah, I like their depth. Randall Cobb, I think, is is, is going to have a really great year this year now that he's back in that 1B role to Jordy Nelson's 1A. And um, But, yeah, I just like this team overall, and I knew you would as well as a, a, a Packers fan. So. Uh, Matt, obviously, we've got to your number two, and uh, the Packers weren't on it. I don't think they're going to be number one. I would presume we all have the same number one. Just uh, So the Packers haven't made your list. Any uh, counter-argument you could put to what uh, me and Doug have said? Yeah, I just think that we talked a lot about the way you guys framed the analysis there. And there's nothing wrong with that because it certainly can happen. Like a lot of it is ifs or if this all works out. And yeah. and if, if Green Bay hits their peak, if Jordy Nelson comes back healthy, great. He's one of the best number ones in the league. I don't really have a lot of questions about Randall Cobb. I think we know that he played hurt last year. He even said at the beginning of the year, I'm probably not going to be right all year. And like Doug re- mentioned, laid out there that – everything kind of went wrong for Cobb in 2015. So I'm fine with him. Like that's a great one, two punch. There's a little bit of questions with Jordy, but still great one, two punch. But then just like, I, I don't really know for sure anything about the depth. Adams is, is not a good player. I don't think he ever will really rebound to even be a competent number three. Aberderis is, is a good route runner, but you know, he can't stay healthy and also doesn't really offer much beyond beating number three corners every now and again. Ty Montgomery is, I, I really still don't have a good feel for him. And Jeff Janis is the wild card here because I really do think he's going to emerge as the number three receiver there. I think he showed a well better ability to, you know, run routes fine for a super athletic number three receiver in that Cardinals game and in limited flat fashion. I think people harp on Janice way too much for whatever reason. I, I don't know. The Janice thing is so weird because if you just <laughs> like just take off the glasses of how many people like obscenely love him on Twitter and then because because of that then people have to obscenely hate him because yeah. we need sicko balance in this world I guess um, Janice really is an intriguing prospect that we should all be rooting for to be honest with you and I think he, the, what he's shown on the field not just on the measurables side is well enough to think that he could be the number three receiver for this team and if he is then I think they're a wild card to go way up even to the number one spot but to me there's still too many questions beyond the top two to put them there to put them even in the top five i just i don't feel totally safe with them right now yeah well that's why i framed it kind of as maybe a homer decision to put them in i kind of had that feeling but um i have to agree with kind of pretty i have to agree with everything you said there really and when you talked about the jets and you were talking about the depth i had the the same feeling when you were talking about the issues they had at the depth that the packers i think have heading into the season we'll see how these players develop but at the you know I think it's kind of up in the air. You're, you have a lot of ifs there with the, the likes of Nelson and that, but I'm willing to, to say that he's going to come back and uh, be pretty much fine. I'd assume we all have the number one, so I'll give the guest the honor rather than stealing it from him. The number one team for you, Matt, is who? Yeah, I have the San Francisco 49ers number one, and I mean, I don't really yeah, think how you can argue Smelter's ready, <laughs> ready for a big season. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Ellington, uh, big-time stud. No, I actually kind of like Ellington. But no, seriously, I have, <laughs> I have Arizona. I have Arizona at number one, and I don't really think it's there's like an argument to be made against them from being on the top spot. I think they have two guys that could potentially be their long-term number one receiver in Michael Floyd and John Brown. You know, I'm a card-carrying John Brown fanboy, so uh, we knew that was going to be part of this. And Larry Fitzgerald, you know, his role changed when those two guys were healthy last year into more of that again ancillary slot receiver guy his average depth of target came way down during that second half of the season but 
even if he's falling off and he starts to go into more of that role, that's that's good for them. And also they have two. We talk about depth. They have two intriguing guys behind the top three. Uh, Jerron Brown, every, every fantasy owner of John Brown knows Jerron Brown just because of how frustrating he was. But that kid does have a very interesting athletic portfolio coming out of college. He's definitely somebody that can play as a number five receiver. And J.J. Nelson, I think we, we know he's little, but. He's definitely a lid popper, and Bruce Arian seems to like him. So I think that they have a really, like, one through five, a really strong group, and are heavy hitters at one, two, and three. Yeah, pretty incredible. I'm just looking here at some of the stats of uh, J.J. Nelson last season. He had 11 catches uh, for 27.2 yards of reception, which is quite astonishing. Um, obviously, I have them at number one as well. Can't really argue with anything that you said there. I think if you're looking at the way this offense operates, I think you're looking at John Brown has been kind of the key because of the deep threat that he possesses that allows the other guys, allows Fitzgerald to do a bit more underneath, allows them to have uh, Floyd out on the you know on the wide side of it. So uh, I think he is definitely a key. And he played a lot of last season too, you know, hampered with those hamstring issues. So I think we're in for a huge year for him this season. Anything, Doug, to, to add into the... Well, I'm being preemptive here, but I presume you have the Cardinals number one as well. <laughs> uh, I actually don't. I I don't think I don't believe you actually do. Yeah, no, you <laughs> no, I I I um I, I do have the Cardinals. That was an easy decision for me. Yeah, especially they, when we saw that, that 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 poll last week. That's what started all this. Yeah. and the Cardinals getting five percent of the vote. I was furious because I love the I, I I and Matt stole it from me. JJ Nelson. He's small, coming out of UAB, but man, could he he could just burn like it. Literally, he'll just go down the field. Ah, like I, I think he's terrific, even though he's small and and I'm a short guy, so I have to root for him, <laughs> as opposed to you guys who I think are taller than me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think John Brown is a is is really and, and this is really opening again. This is from our other guests. I'm not sure who talked about. It. I think it might have been George. Um, or no, it might not have been George, but somebody else. Where I actually like John Brown over Michael Floyd, but really you you just me too. You're just what? What? What's the term? Um, you're nitpicking, or you're you're just um, you know trying to find something wrong because both Michael Floyd and John Brown are really good. It's just if you had to pick one, I like John Brown better. Yeah. But that just proves their depth. It's it's great because even Fitz had to you know turn back the clock a little bit last year with his great season. Um, do we see it again? I don't know about that, but um, yeah, no, there there, there should be no doubt. Um, I didn't even have Washington in my honorable mentions. Uh, even though they got 40% of the vote. I feel like this poll took place in Washington, inside uh, you know the stadium where the Redskins play. So, um, you know, but I, I, I um, I'm a huge fan of the Cardinals uh, wide receivers like everybody else here. So I, I'm not sure I can really add much more than just uh, going on and on about random things about the Cardinals. Yeah, it, when I, it was an easy decision. When I sat down to make the list, uh, number one was started straight away, and it was the other teams then that had the difficulty of ranking. Um, I think there's no doubt about it. I can just imagine if this team, and Bruce Arians doesn't usually have much to do with a tight end in his offense, but if they could uh, find a tight end to slot in there, it would be uh, truly something special. Obviously, uh, Matt, the last time uh, I on the show was... Uh, just after the season, you were starting up the backyard banter. It's been great listening so far, um, and you've had on great guests recently. But w- something else that has come out since uh, we last talked was, uh, you know, you publicized about your weight loss over the last kind of you know year or so. It's an incredible story. We, have you been surprised at uh, the kind of feedback you've gotten, people saying about how inspirational it's been and so on? It's uh, an incredible story. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised and, and blown away is definitely the word for it. I, I don't know. I feel weird about when people say like, you're, you know, you're an inspiration or anything like that. I'm like, really? I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I don't feel that way about myself, so, but it's really good to, it's, it's always hard to put something out there in the universe like that. That's very personal and really leaves you vulnerable. And I have questioned whether or not I was ever going to write about it, but you know, just recently you feel like. I feel like it's the right thing to do, and hopefully, people out there that have are maybe maybe struggling with some of the issues that I talked about in there, um, that they can find some sort of hope from it. Because while I say like I feel weird about being an inspiration, if there's one thing that you should take away from my story is that if I can do it, like if the person that I was did what I did, anybody can do it. You can do it. Like trust me, it's it is possible, and I hope that. 
I mean, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't, whatever you think about yourself or anything, I know it can be dealing with self doubt is, is, is deprecating. It's crippling. Yeah. Um, but you believing in yourself is, is the most powerful thing. And when I, when I finally started believing that I could do it and if I just kept pushing and making the changes necessary, you know, it happened. And here I am, you know, really almost like three years now from the beginning of that journey. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how, how much better my life is now than it was then for a number of different reasons, but it all comes back to being a more centered and grounded person uh, and, and just confident and happy with the, the human being and uh, person that I am. Yeah, it is one of those things. Well, it's a long time ago now, but when I was maybe 14 years old, I was I lost three or four stone over the course of a couple of months. Uh, you should call it whatever in pounds, uh, 14 by three. So, but it is something that it takes a lot of work, but uh, I was really uh, intrigued reading your story and uh, it was really impressive. And I've been very impressed by the feedback and, you know, with the, the fantasy football community too, a lot of the time you talk about it on your show, the backyard banter podcast about how people do stick together. And uh, it is, you do put yourself out there when you put stuff up, uh, particularly on Twitter. So it's always good when you do get uh, positive feedback back. Uh, talking of putting things up on Twitter, I've obviously read uh, the reception perceptions on Lockett and Snead over the last two weeks. I said you did mention earlier that you started on Keenan Allen, and that's one that I'm really looking forward to to digesting. Uh, any scheduled uh, update on when that's going to come out? I seen that you were working on it today. Yeah, I, I'll put the uh, data into the system this afternoon, um, but I'm probably going to hold Keenan Allen at least for maybe a week or two because just from some scheduling things, like I might actually try and run it elsewhere, not on Backyard Banter. I'll just leave that as a little tease out there, but uh, <laughs> we'll so so we'll see uh, we'll see how that one comes out, but the information will, will definitely be out there soon uh, along with several others. Um, but yeah, the Keenan Allen one is, is really exciting. That's one that I kind of I always like to go into into these with a little bit of an open mind. Like I know Keenan Allen's good, but I want to see how good he is. And I've been really it's really been a fun like you know last couple of days putting his data together. Yeah, and I've I've mentioned I've always been kind of high on him, so I hope that you're not going to drive his prices up too high that I, I can't get him in some leagues this year because he's somebody that I have targeted a lot over the last two seasons. Um, just in terms of anything else coming up, obviously you're running towards the end. I've heard you mention on the backyard banter for this uh, first season of the show. Anything else coming out outside of the, those two projects in the next uh, week or so that you want to give a plug before we finish up? Yeah, uh, more so towards like uh, the first couple of weeks of July, I'll have a series or one big article at NFL.com detailing all of the wide receivers that are like part of my master plan this year. You know, guys that I've kind of already written, like some of them I've already written about, you know, Willie Sneed, Kamara Aiken, Torrey Smith, uh, Tyler Lockett, you know, but then some bigger name guys like Keenan Allen, you know, they'll be in there too. So it's really like, you know, a step-by-step, -step, like these are the guys that reception perception is highest on. And, and this is where I think you should target them in drafts, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the big um, mothership that I'm planning right now. Other than that, just continuing to work through. And I'm also going to, I'm, I'm finally going to publish, the uh, Albert Wilson truther propaganda piece that I've been <laughs> I have been pro slightly promising for the for the last like almost year now so that's finally going to probably go up next week yeah so we have that there all to look forward to in the next few weeks uh, anything Doug you've got coming out you have a few interesting pieces coming out in the last week any of those you want to mention uh yeah so I've, I've actually been productive lately um <laughs> so I had a piece come out last week about nine guys who I think will be major bounce back targets um, in fantasy football compared to what they did in, in uh, 2015. Someone pointed out to me that today that I did not include Des Bryant. Um, half regretting it, but I also am not that high on Des Bryant because, um, or at least as high as, as people mention him because he's a, he's a guy that's it's always a wild card with him in terms of injury and stuff like that, especially with what he dealt with last season. But um, regardless of that, uh, that's a story for another time. So I have that that came out last week. I have uh, two articles that will be coming out again this week for Inside the Pylon. One is my top overdrafted guys, which is kind of a, a misnomer because it's it's not top. It's, I guess you could say, the the Hall of Shame. The guys that I think are being overdrafted in terms of ADP and, and where they are in terms of um, who, who, who they're being picked over, really. Um, so I have that. And then also the other one is uh, top underdrafted guys, so vice versa. So I'll have that coming out. Um, I wrote a piece last, uh, this weekend, uh, about can Chris Hogan actually, uh, be sort of a number in an overall depth chart. Can, can, uh, Chris Hogan be the number two guy over Danny Amendola, even though they play different positions and uh spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I think so, but you'll have to read it to find out that's on Pat's pulpit, actually my debut piece for them. Um, 
So I have that for that and on SB Nation. I'll be writing an article either today or tomorrow, actually, on does Arian Foster fit in the Patriots offense? I'll be taking a closer look at that, not only from a, a scheme perspective, a depth perception, um, but also cap-wise. Can they even make it work? So I'll be doing that. That's actually for Scout. That, that's that's probably about it. <laughs> Is that um, all? As you can figure I was out, Matt. Say, that's yeah, it, huh? Yeah. Only eighteen yeah, no, so, uh, pieces from Doug this week to uh, to read out. But uh, this is the second show we've done in the last couple of days. Myself and Doug, we had Scott Fish on on Saturday, obviously talking about the Scott Fish Bowl coming up in the next two weeks. So if you haven't checked that one out already, make sure you go back, listen to that one, and of course hit the subscribe button to the OTI podcast. It's obviously on iTunes, Stitcher, all those ways. It's on overtimeireland.com as well. Uh, Doug's on Twitter. It's D More NFL. Matt's on Twitter. It's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And of course. Uh, the backyard. One, one thing before one thing before we go. I know it's totally totally rude to interrupt you right now, but Fair one way. thing I just wanted to mention uh, about the top five receivers when we were talking about nobody mentioned Denver. I had uh, we just I just wanted to put that out there because I feel like somebody's going to tweet at us like we didn't mention Denver. Um, are we I all kind of on the honor- same page? I had them in the honorable Me too. I'll let you go on to it, but uh, I think they're being criminally underrated when you look at Demarius Thomas, when you look at Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I said on uh, the podcast when we had, I think it was when we had Nick Whalen on, I had a dynasty draft recently. It was a super flex, so there's quarterbacks going ahead of wide receivers at this point, but uh, got to the 12th round and I got at the 102nd pick, I got Emmanuel Sanders. So they are being criminally underrated uh, this season. I'll just let you go if you want to mention anything, Matt, about the, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I just wanted to say before we got out of here on them, it's it's fascinating that they've fallen so far just because I think that they would – like obviously for fantasy, I think they're underrated, no question about it. But I think we're right to not put them in the top five of wide receiver cores just because I think Demarius Thomas, like with Peyton Manning falling off, is not from a fantasy perspective from a, but a real-life NFL perspective has kind of been a little bit exposed as not on the same tier as guys like A.J. Green and Des Bryant. Like his reception perception has always been below what people have expected and Sanders is a very good player too but after those two guys they have nothing so I just thought it was I was surprised I was expecting to have that debate somebody I thought one of you guys might put them in the top five but it appears we're all on the same page there I think that both of them are underrated as I mentioned but as you said after that then there's a, a quite a drop off unless you have uh, some Lattimore or uh, Benny Fowler fans out there who want to get at us on Twitter as I mentioned it's at Overtime Ireland on Twitter and uh, I was just about to say before I was rudely interrupted there by Mr. Harmon uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so the sorry ba- <laughs> took in the, the backyardbanter.com as well we're checking out because you'll find all the reception perceptions as well as everything else that Matt's got going on all on there and uh, really and truly other than that there's not much else to go uh, this week I'll be giving away another Overtime Ireland t-shirt so be sure you check out that on the Twitter feed free to enter and as I mentioned go back and check out that Scott Fish podcast uh, talking about Scott Fish Bowl and until we're back with the next show uh, next week's guest is going to be Matt Waldman uh, so be sure and check that out of the rookie scouting portfolio so until then of course have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word This has been an Overtime Ireland production.